0: Now more than ever, as mothers, as women, and light workers, we need to lean into our power and community. We need to give each other permission to show up as mothers and also as the full expression of the women we are capable of being. And that's exactly what my guest today is doing. Dr. Gertrude Lyons is a life coach, speaker, and mothering revolutionary. Gertrude completed her Doctor of Education in 2016. She's a life coach at the Wright Institute, and prior to that was an economic analyst. She's also a mother of two and the creator of Rewriting the Mother Code, an interactive workshop that helps guide women in discovering the true meaning of motherhood. I met Gertrude back in 2012 in a women's networking group. I was a new mom, and we immediately connected, and I consider her a mentor both professionally and personally, and I'm thrilled to have her on the show because she is changing the conversation around mothering, challenging our definition of mothering and motherhood, and giving space to women to express their dreams, fears, and truths around motherhood. Dr. Gertrude Lyons, welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast.
1: I'm delighted and feel very honored and privileged to be with you. Oh, thank you. How are you feeling today? Oh, well, that's a Big question. We could spend the whole <laughs> the whole time talking about how I feel. You know, it it really has felt moment to moment, right? I've probably already just this morning have felt the full range of emotions. But you know, right now, I'm having the main
0: feeling is joy
1: that this opportunity to be with you.
0: Awesome. Me too. So you have been at Wright for many years since 2002, and um, before that, you were. A professional. Did you have little kids when you were before? Right when you were building, you know, had your professional life as well.
1: Yes, I did. Um, my first daughter was born when I was still working for uh, Smith Consulting.
0: And then, what made you
1: transition? What was that? How was that pivot for you? It's so interesting because it, yeah, it doesn't seem like a remotely logical like step to go from economic consultant doing litigation consulting for personal injury and wrongful death cases. To uh, coaching, you know, and and this personal and and human development, but two really key bridges were there for me. So my undergrad was in finance and accounting, so obviously that was what I pursued. Some job in the in that range or field after college, but two things happened while I was engaged in that in that work was one was my boss, and a really key pivotal moment in my life was him recommending premarital coaching when I got engaged to my husband at 23. So a completely, you know, outside the box thought for me, but really set a whole new trajectory for me in my personal life. And I'm forever grateful. And I think I thank him every day for that. But then secondly, the work he was doing as an economist in the area of personal injury and wrongful death was around something called the loss of value of life. So he was an economist that presented the analysis or that to a jury in such cases to try and show them what's the valuation, you know, what should this person get in remuneration for a wrongful death or injury. But a key aspect of that was looking at if it's an injury, the psychological detriment to them. So there was this whole piece that while I was doing my own work that connected me to the work these people were doing. And I found myself, for lack of a better word, coaching them in what they were going through as I was able to talk to them. And more and more, I just found that I really liked the people side way more than the numbers side. So it was an interesting bridge. When I left that job after when I was pregnant with my second child, I knew I wanted to go back to school. I didn't know if it was going to be to come back and work for him and set up kind of a loss of value of life coaching center or go off in some other direction in, in that arena. So on paper, it would look like a big jump, but it was actually a, a very cool way that I got here.
0: Yeah. It's interesting how those things kind of unfold when you're in the moment and you just feel those, those tugs. And so most recently, um, through your life coaching, you began the Mother Code. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came about.
1: Sure. So it sounds like a recent development, but it's another one of those that it actually encapsulates my whole journey as a mother and as a professional coach. Because at my work at the Wright Foundation, I was director of our couples and family programming. And I was learning about and coaching others in this arena of the transformational opportunity in mothering or parenting while I was in the midst of it myself. And while I was in the midst of it, I was vaguely aware, but not willing to really kind of look fully at the fact that what I was coaching everybody else in, I wasn't fully doing myself. So what I say is, you know, I parented very consciously and really well, and we'll get into more of this later, I think the difference, but I sidestepped and avoided this potential for my own growth and development. To a large degree, so when I got to the end, you know my children are now twenty one and twenty three um, some realizations started hitting me when one was in college and one was in high school. like it was a really big awakening that I hadn't done this thing that I had been coaching people, and I was had huge regret and remorse about it, and not a self beat up kind of shame thing, but wow, what could have been if I had added that to the mix and now here I was. Like, where where am I going to go from here based on that? So that's what got me to decide to do a doctorate and to go into a transformational journey for myself that I then hoped would also support other women and raise their awareness of this possibility and be a a spokesperson and beacon and start doing more of it myself that I was avoiding. So it's been wild. It's been very wild.
0: Yeah. And I was blessed to get to attend one of your seminars and one of the things I found so it's still I still think about it um, when you shared the barriers and constructs that women in the western world face and also how we've evolved from a mother-centric society to a really child-centric do you want to talk about that and how sure because I think my audience is you know mostly moms and women um There is this guilt, I think, about giving ourselves permission to want more, to explore. And we're really caught, I think, in the, we really are trying to get it all right. And it's a losing battle. So I'd love to hear you share with our audience a little bit about that.
1: Thanks, Anya. I think the key thing you just said there was getting it right. And our current culture is just horribly focused on that. And I say horribly because it doesn't serve the child or the parent to be in this mindset of getting it right. And, you know, backing up when you were referring to the the evolution of mothering and how we got to be where we are today, you know, first to just name the fact that mothering is a cultural construct and it's evolved and changed. And what we think is the right way to do it now, you know, people would have been aghast at, and we look back at things that you know were done a hundred years ago and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. That's you know child abuse or you know whatever. Um, all the judgments we have of the different paradigms. So I think it's really hopeful to know that because there's no right way. And there's an author that I love um, and researcher and Dr. Allison Gopnik, who wrote the book, The Carpenter and the Gardener. I may have that switched I I'm always afraid of it's either the carpenter and the gardener or the gardener and the carpenter um and she does a really nice concise job spelling out the fact that parenting was never a verb it was never a job the word didn't exist as a verb until about the 1950s you know and this is if you think about it after in psychology we started getting aware of the role that parents played in the in the development of their children and you know, right or wrong, it kind of set the mom out as the bad guy, you know, as that evolved. And then, you know, we got to the the 50s and it became, it evolved from something that, you know, used to be caregiving. It used to be a a thing that, that we did as part of our lives to now a job that we look at, just like we look at school or we look at a job where there's like an output, a product that we're supposed to achieve in this and we're using that framework and we can only get it wrong by doing that because people aren't like that. We can't so when she's using that metaphor of gardener and carpenter, if we're trying to be a carpenter and carve our children into this likeness that we think and particularly likeness that the world will that will reflect well on me. And show the world that I see I did a good job. Like I did it right, you know, if I can get this being to look this certain way versus a garden where I'm providing nourishment. I'm providing, you know the the space and that for a garden to grow. And in that garden, there's a lot of mess, you know, there's fertilizer, there's you know there's manure, there's weeds, you know, and if I can provide some nourishment for that, And then see where it goes and develop and and be in relationship with it, then both parties are winning in that regard.
0: It's like we need to release the ego centric piece.
1: Yes. You know, it's it's termed a lot in our culture now, like the the intensive mothering or the good mother, you know, the people will say the helicopter parenting, in a way also where so much of yeah, our ego is tied up in it, our self-worth is tied up in how. They are a reflection of us. And then that ties to like, what is our job? You know, so our job isn't to be our their friend. It's not their job to be a showpiece for us either. You know, us really being aware and that's where it comes in. You know, the more aware we are of ourselves and what this relationship and dynamic is stirring up for us, you know, we can join them in this journey of growing and developing together versus feeling like. We have to do something to them and do it right.
0: Mm -hmm. You also speak a a lot about recognizing that we all are mothers, whether biological or not, and learning how to mother ourselves. And I specifically think I'd love to hear your thoughts on there's a lot of talk about self-care. It's a word people throw around, you know, and we aspire to being able to include more self-care, but Mothering myself feels deeper, more intrinsic, especially right now. I think, you know, what are some things you're sharing with your clients or the women that you work with? Um, what are some ideas around how, especially in this really uncertain time we're in where everything is changing moment to moment? And as you said, we have in the matter of a morning, we can have the whole spectrum of emotions. What does it mean to really mother yourself?
1: Thanks, Anya. It's such a big question. And, you know, this was challenging, a challenging concept for women before we were just put in this intense circumstance that we're in right now to take care of ourselves. And it can get a, a little minimized, not a little minimized. It gets taken kind of at the I don't know external self care, you know, which is all important. You know, I think any time that we're consciously taking time for ourselves can have huge benefit. So just to stay there for a minute, if if I am setting up uh, a, a massage or something that's going to externally take care of myself the space I'm coming from in that shouldn't be like, oh, you know, finally, you know, if I'm in a self pity, I'm, you know, so burdened, I have to do this kind of space, I won't benefit from even the things that I am getting myself set up for. So some of it is even just a shift in the mindset of the things I am doing, or celebrating, you know, like, yay, I, I fit in a manicure today, And then to really enjoy that manicure and look at it and allow that tending to yourself that's happening in the moment of receiving it, we're going to get tenfold out of even those things that seem maybe a little more superficial. So that's one aspect. But I think what you're talking about is also what are some of the deeper aspects and things and ways that we can mother ourselves, And that arena is more of our uh, emotional landscape right? And anything that we're doing in the intensity of of our day with children, uh, you mentioned also, we're all mothers. So just to name, you know, as, as we're using this through the mothering of children paradigm, this could be the intensity of going to work and you have five employees who are your children, you know, quote unquote, the your relationship with your husband or spouse or partner. All of those are relationships and things that we're mothering. So I'm going to say that in general, but we'll focus on what this looks like specifically when we're raising children. Because what happens in any of these intense and stressful times of which parenting is, um, but also we've just added another new intensity of, of the virus and what we're, what we're dealing with, such that it's going to stir us up. All right, we're all having feelings. And in our culture, the go to with all those feelings that are getting stirred up is to stuff them down. You know, like, I got to get through this. I got to, you know, I got to do. And doing will be what takes care of myself. But we have to give ourselves as much being time. And, you know, whether that's with somebody where you really can pour your heart out, where you can share, you know, you're not going to necessarily share the level of fears you have with your children but having outlets where we can, where we can identify, you know, which emotions have, have really been. And then what things, you know, and this is a broader topic, but just to name, you know, what triggers from my past are getting stirred up, you know, these stressful times are going to stir up a lot of our, what the term we use, unfinished business. And, you know, it, it may seem like it's all about this moment of figuring out how to homeschool my, my child and do my career and my husband all under the same roof. Like, yes, that is a stress, but it's going to elicit and bring out aspects that have maybe have been buried for a while that I've been able to like keep under the surface, but we want them to come up. We want to invite them up. And the more we can feel, the more access we'll have to our higher functioning thinking. It's, it's not going to derail us like we think it is. It's really going to support us in having, you know, more of ourselves. If we won't have less of ourselves, we'll have more of ourselves,
0: yeah. And um, you know, one of the themes it sounds like through all of this is giving women permission to choose themselves, right? Putting ourselves back on the map as being worthy of nourishing and even this emotional intelligence, this space and mindfulness. One of the things I think right now everyone's trying to work out is, for me, we're leaning into some routine, um, but also trying to find a little flow in there, you know, that we're not Netflix and chilling too much. We're trying to find some, because I think there is, for me anyway, there is some comfort in routine. For sure. But also not being rigid about it. How are you navigating this or how are you sharing with your clients or women in your life or how are you yourself navigating some of this uncertainty and because I think that's actually the I think for many of us it's the uncertainty it feels like quicksand it's sort of every day there's like a new now the kids are going to be out for another month and there's just more so how are you choosing yourself and, and showing others to do that through this space
1: yeah, you know, I'm for sure not going to say I have this one figured out and handled, but um, I will share some things I've been doing and things I've been supporting others in, which to start with, the whole supporting others, so much easier. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. So much easier to, to, you know, have great insights or see what's going on with them. And I think that was something that was pointing out to me, like right when this got started and I feel fortunate that I'm in an arena and a space that you know we are getting on calls and zooms with each other just to talk about the feelings and to be with with it and one of my first goes at it was to talk about the people in my life that I was worried about you know i'm worried about my mother she's 89 and has copd and you know she's a prime candidate and she was traveling so so she had you know and then i have a friend who has a highly compromised immune system and and one of my mentors was like okay well yeah we could sort some of that up but what about you you know what are what's going on with you and then i was able to share some things that you know that i was disappointed and sad about that were getting canceled in my arena but they didn't feel as big you know and, and that's one of the things i've been noticing with people i've been coaching is like well i'm not dealing with something as as traumatic as you know i still have a roof over my head and a job and all that stuff and I was actually just sharing that with a coaching client this morning that anything we're going through no one is no one should minimize their experience. It it's really something I'm trying to underline is your feelings are valid. You know, your upsets or disappointments or fears, they might not be as primal as a roof over your head, but they're still real, you know, to you and it's going to be really easy in this climate to discount and put away some of our own feelings in the service of others and women are especially inclined for this because the beautiful aspect of women is we do care and we hold a lot. You know, we're we're caring and thinking about the world and our immediate home and family all at the same time. So as things, you know, kind of change and develop that we're, you know, having, like you were saying, set up systems. And I think the systems and routines give us some safety and structure. And then within that, you know that it isn't just about how we're going to get stuff done you know within those but how do we want the little snippets of being time that we have and some of it you know maybe they don't have to be big profound things but you know every now and then like with um even before this happened you know something that i always recommend with families as a way to connect is to do something called playing the feelings game you know how in your day it's like a great mealtime or end of the day thing to name somewhere in each of your day where you felt what I consider the five primary feelings fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. And where is somewhere in my day that I felt each of those? And it's just a, a different way that isn't just the like, what did I do today, but how did I feel? And how's I being? And anywhere we can take a moment and give space to our emotions and what we're feeling and set up as part of our structures some official outlets for that. And then some, like you were saying, some flow or spontaneity with it. I think it's one of the key factors that I think can
0: really support us in this time. Amazing. And um, this podcast is called Rock Your Joy. And we're all about, you know, sharing the stories of women and their transformations through life and discovering ways to cultivate and celebrate joy As, and I think what you just said about the five primary emotions, I've always believed that even though we're talking about joy, in order to feel and cultivate that joy, we have to be able to know the spectrum. Yeah. So for you, not only in this time and space we find ourselves, but if you can maybe speak to the specific and also as a broader, uh, more, more you know, over your life, what really brings you joy and how do you tap into that and cultivate that for yourself?
1: I love that question, Anya, because it it does cover a spectrum, right? Like so the first thing that comes to mind, and you named this pathway to joy. And I do really believe that to the level I can feel my pain, my sadness, any of those feelings will be the extent that I can feel my joy. And it it seems a little bit odd, but one of the ways I'm going to say I feel my most joy is when I'm in any one of those motions. And I've really let myself feel something very deeply and authentically. And, you know, it could be a, a huge sadness because the sadness is the loss of something pleasurable. And I'm acknowledging that loss. And, you know, at the other side of that, I have felt a really explicit sense of the joy of life, of living and i love what how you work and what you're doing cuz you're not saying happy you're saying joy and i think that's a really important distinction you know for all of us cuz joy i think comes from you know living in any moment that i can catch that i'm feel very present right now i'm present to my fear you know i've been present to my fear through this whole podcast you know i have felt incredible joy seeing you know and being with you and i've been scared I've been sad thinking about some of the things that we're talking about. And when I am able to acknowledge those, that's where the joy comes from. It's not so much like, did I do a good job? You know, how did I do? And did I perform? But did I let myself have my emotions and my feelings? So I would say that's pretty much at the top of my list, you know, as well as, you know, really um, one other thing I would add to that is. You know, when beautiful things are happening or, I, you know, things that we kind of say like, oh, really enjoy a beautiful sunset. But no, if you like really let yourself immerse yourself in things that are explicitly beautiful or joyful, that consciousness toward it, I think adds a, a tremendous amount of nourishment and depth to them, which is, I think, also really big.
0: And this whole time, ironically, has brought us to a stillness where i think we are searching and we have a new awareness of the beauty around us i'm seeing so many people share their gifts with the world in a in a new way you know really put themselves into a space of service which is really beautiful and incredibly because this is a global phenomenon there is this global community and i believe of those of us who are sharing the light you know and really wanting to bring the voice of light and hope to this space. So I know you are for sure a voice of light and hope. So thank you for for sharing and bringing joy to me today and to everyone listening. Well, you're so welcome. And right back at you. Oh, thank you.
1: Because that is absolutely your mission and purpose. And being purposeful and mission-driven also brings a lot of joy. And I see
0: it in you. Thank you. Thanks. Where can people find you and, and learn more about the mother code. Absolutely. So you can find me on
1: Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Uh, My website is
0: drgertrudelyons.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been such a joy and a pleasure. It's wonderful to hear your insights and um, I feel nourished by your wisdom and, you know, knowing that not only from your perspective of, Having a lifetime of growing yourself and giving yourself permission to keep uh, not only in the personal development and growth, but setting that for your your girls and for other women around you. I think the more we we set the um, the tone and the bar for us that it's okay to collectively rise up and and be more. So thank you for doing that. and thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank you so much. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired or want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find this podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? I'm mostly on Instagram at Anya, A-I-N-E, underscore, Healthy Living. Until next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.